Across the pages of history, the Church of Jesus Christ has thrived and advanced amid unprecedented times. The year 2020 has been one of those moments. Yet through all of this, we have seen God use our church to reach thousands through the online broadcast of our worship services. We have seen God bless our church, but we know that the Church of Jesus was never meant to gather just online. So it is time to come back. We need each other. We need the fellowship and encouragement of being together again. We need to get back to serving our Lord and each other. We need to be in the flesh for each other. We need to be together. Jesus told us to be the salt of the earth and his light to the world. He told us that we are his unstoppable church. It is time again to be the visible church of Jesus Christ in this region. We are daring to start again. Well, good morning, everybody. We're so grateful for all of those who are in person on all three of our campuses and who are online. Welcome to Sugar Creek Baptist Church today. Last week, we were for the first time in person on all three of our area campuses. And that meant that the Richmond Rosenberg campus opened up for the very first time last Sunday. And they had hundreds of people at the Richmond Rosenberg campus. Give it up for Richmond Rosenberg. Yay, God. Can I tell you, there were more people than I ever imagined would show up on a COVID Sunday. And it was shocking, it was wonderful, it was amazing. I got an opportunity to worship with uh, the Richmond Rosenberg campus last Sunday. So many people came up and said to me, I cannot believe how big this place is how big this campus is and how beautiful it is and how functional it is. When you are just driving by, you're on the outside, see that little storefront area, you think it can't be very big inside. As soon as you go inside, you are blown away. It is so neat what God is doing at Richmond Rosenberg. It means now we are one church in four locations. The Richmond Rosenberg campus, the Missouri City Campus. Let's give it up for Missouri City Campus. Did you know that last week, Missouri City reached its capacity last Sunday? It ha we, they had no more room, and so today, just one week later, we now have two services at uh, the Missouri City Campus at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Wow, it's just going and blowing at Missouri City, so we're grateful for them. And the third campus is Darrington, and our Darrington campus is not in person yet, but we're hoping that it'll be very soon. But many of our guys are watching online, so let's congratulate Darrington. We love you, you are part of us, and we thank God for you. And. The last is the Sugar Lane campus. This is sort of the mama of campuses for Sugar Creek, and it all started here, and we thank the Lord for what he is doing at all four of our campuses. Last week, we had over 1,800 people 
in person across the three campuses. It was shocking. It, we had no idea that was going to happen. It was absolutely amazing. And online, we had over 4,100 online. We had almost 6,000 people last Sunday. God is just blessing this church in so many amazing ways. And we give all the glory to our Father. Have you noticed how hard it is to keep up with details? That was the case of a particular guy. He had tried and tried and tried to get Super Bowl tickets. And every time he'd been turned down, no, it's not my year to get Super Bowl tickets. But last year, he finally got tickets. Last year, they came in, he was so excited, and not nosebleed tickets, they were on the 50-yard line, cost him big-time dollars. But he was so excited, he did a happy dance, and then he realized he had made a desperate mistake. On the same day as the Super Bowl, at the exact same time as the Super Bowl, was his wedding. Was his wedding. Leave it to a man to forget the wedding date. Was his wedding. And he realized, I have made a giant mistake here. And so he knew he was going to have to have an ad online and get somebody to take his place. So the ad read, it will be happening in the Baptist church at three o'clock and her name is Tiffany. I know, no woman laughed at that. It's not true. It's not true. It's just a joke. Men. Last week, we started back. And last week, we started a short series entitled, Daring to Start Again. Look, we are not quaking in our boots about this pandemic. I want you to know that. Yeah, we know God's in control, we know God's in charge, and we know God will take care of us, and we know that. But we are also being cautious. This is a real virus that we're talking about. Almost 200,000 people have died in the United States because of this virus. And many individuals who have contracted the virus after they have been gotten healed, they, they have recovered, are still having some serious damage to their lungs. Well, other people, they get the virus, it's nothing. The problem is we don't know which one will be our situation. And so we're having to be cautious. Uh, are we overdoing it? Maybe. Is Mark Hartman wrong about this? I've been wrong many times in my life. You know what I suspect? I suspect when this whole thing is said and done that there'll be a study done and what we'll discover is we didn't need to do all the things that we did. We didn't need that, that uh, uh, provision and we didn't need that rule. I suspect that's going to be the case. But I also suspect there's going to be other things that we should have done, now we know. Boy, it's too bad we didn't do that. So if we're gonna err, we need to err on the side of safety. Because the truth is, we're on this side of the pandemic, not on the other side. So if we're gonna err, let's err on the side of safety. So we came back, we dared to start again last Sunday. And last Sunday, the first message was, we need each other. The church is not just looking at some screen. Not, it's not just watching somebody else sing. It's not just watching a television set. A church is being together. It's being with each other. It's, it's being there for each other. It is, 
It's supporting the other person who's going through hard times, other people supporting us when we're going through difficult times. It's being together. It's coming and singing together. Not just watching somebody else sing, it's hearing the voices of others as we lift up our voice to God. It is saying amen when the preacher preaches. Amen. And even when he gives a joke that's not all that funny, still laughing when the joke is said. So we came back last week and hey, we need each other. Now this morning, I wanna talk to you about the second thing God has laid on my heart and that is we need to serve again. In 1949, there was a guy who invented a new toy and that toy made an amazing hit. The toy is 71 years old this year and this is the toy, Mr. Potato Head, yeah. Mr. Potato Head. I played as a little kid with Mr. Potato Head. I did. My two sons, as they were growing up, played with Mr. Potato Head. My four grandchildren have all played growing up with Mr. Potato Head. And did you know Mr. Potato Head has been on every one of the Toy Story movies? Which is like the Hall of Fame for toys to be on that show. So what makes Mr. Potato Head so cool that he has been around for 71 years? Well, one thing is you can take his ear off. Yeah, you can take his ear off. You can take, you have to work harder at it, but you can take his eyes out. And you can take his arm off. And then you can put his ear where his eyes were. Yeah, you can. And put his eyes where his ear was. You can do all this stuff and more. And in fact, you find out he doesn't have any hair either. All these things you can do with Mr. Potato Head. So why am I bringing up Mr. Potato Head on Sunday morning at Sugar Creek? Because the Bible says that we the church is not a building, we're people. And we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And every one of us are a body part of the overall body of Jesus Christ. And the body part that we are is dependent on the ministry God gives to us. Some of us are ears. Some of us are noses, some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are eyes. But all of us come together to form the body of Jesus Christ in this region to touch the lives of people around us. And this is what I wanna talk to you about. Now, here's what I'm gonna ask. You are here in person. You are here online, every person, whether you are in person on any of the three campuses, whether you are online right now, I'm asking everybody, would you be willing over this week to begin thinking and begin praying? God, when is it time for me to serve again? You know, in March, we were just 
all sheltered away. But you know, we're not complete. We're not back to normal until we are back to serving God again. And I'm asking you this week, would you begin thinking about this and praying, God, when do you want me to begin serving again? And that is what I want to talk to you about today. Now, the very first point about that is simply this, that our abilities are road signs which point us in the direction God wants us to go in serving him. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that is a powerful passage of scripture about the whole idea of serving God. And the point, the first point it makes is simply this, no matter which part of the body of Christ that you are, you are a necessary part of God's mission to reach and disciple others. Listen to how he puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. What is he saying? Well, okay, you're not a hand, but you're a foot. You still matter to the body of Christ. Don't say, well, because I can't do what that person do, does, because I don't have the talent that person has. I don't really matter to the body of Christ. Oh, no. No, God has made you to be in ministry and serving others and serving him, and you are just as important as any other person. He says, verse 16, for the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Imagine you, imagine that you are, all you are is an eye, you're one big eyeball. And that's all you are. You have no feet, you have no hands, you have no ears. Look how limited you are. You can see, but you can't do anything about it. And that's what he's saying. Well, if everybody was an eye, how's the rest of the things that God wants to accomplish? How do we be Jesus to other people in this region? No, no, he says in verse 18, but if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. The point he's making is there's no unnecessary person. There's no unnecessary ministry. Look, I'm not that great of a singer and we would not want me on this platform leading the music. We would not want that to happen, but I love to sing. I just can't be the leader of that, but I love to worship God. There are some things that others can do and we're so mesmerized with their talent. Well, I can't be what they are because of how good they are, but that's not true. God has made you a part of this body, this body of Christ. And he intends and desires for you to serve others and serve him. Since you then are a part of Christ's body, how do you know what part of the body you are? It is all about what ministry God is leading you to do. God uses several factors to determine which ministries that he wants us to serve him in. So listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. 
There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit gives them. There are different ways of serving, but it's the same Lord who's being served. There are different abilities to perform service, but God gives ability to everyone for their service. Notice what he says. There are, first of all, different kinds of spiritual gifts. Did you know that at the very moment that you accepted Jesus as your savior, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit came to live in you, dwell in you. And at that very moment, he gave you one or more spiritual gifts at that very moment. The spiritual gifts are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4. And if you look through those lists, you've got one or more of these spiritual gifts that God has given to you at the very moment you gave your heart to Christ. There are also various ways, all kinds of ways of ministry. And at Sugar Creek, there's like one million. There are so many ministries everywhere. And I know some people say, well, this church is so big, they don't need me. Actually, because this church is so big, we have to have you. There's so many ministries, there's so many things to get done. There's so, so many ways to take care of others. We need everybody to help us. And now we have launched yet another campus and we sent so many of our leaders to the Richmond Rosenberg campus. And now there will be all these empty places here and we need all the more people to step and say, hey, I, I, I'll serve God. I'll serve other people. You bet I want to be a part of ministry. It's so important at the Sugarland campus and at the Richmond Rosenberg campus and at the Missouri City campus that we step up and say, oh God, I want to be used in ministry by you. But it's the third thing that really has my attention and I want to really accentuate, and that is that God gives ability to everyone for their service. You notice who? Everyone. Every one of us, every single one of us. God has given us abilities, and it is the abilities that I want to talk about right now. There are some facts we need to know about our abilities. First of all, every ability that we have has been given to us by God. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, listen to what he says. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And that ability, those abilities were put inside of us at the very moment we were created. This week, a family in our church reached out to Kathy and I and announced they've got a new grandson. His name is Ethan, and he's just a little bitty bundle of joy. But little Ethan, when God created little Ethan, he created him with all of his talents and abilities already present inside of him. And all of his life, he's going to be discovering yet another ability, another talent that God has given him. In fact, researchers have said that every single human being has between 500 to 700 different talents and abilities. Did you know that about yourself? You've got 500 to 700 different talents, you have them. And what I've discovered in my life, and maybe you're seeing this in yours, the longer I live, every day I live, I find out I've got a different talent. I've, I've, got, I've got an ability I didn't know I could do. And all of life from the beginning to the end, we are learning more and more about ourselves and how God wired us. And the talents and the abilities that God has given to us. 
There's a second thing that I want you to grab hold of, and it's this. God gave you these abilities so that you would use them for him. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. He intends you and I to take every talent, every ability, and put them in service to him. And a third thing, our abilities show that God's direction for our life. So my question is, what you are able to do, that's an indicator of where God is leading you in ministry. Where is that? Where is that, that God wants you to use that talent, that ability in touching the life of other in, others in serving him? Hebrews 13, 21 says, God will equip you with everything you need to accomplish his will. This last week, uh, Pastor Ben Coleman and I were talking about several subjects and then when we're in the topics, he, we, we, it just sort of morphed to abilities and talents and he, and he said to me, you know, I heard an illustration that has really been meaningful to me that, that our talents, our abilities are like ping pong balls in water. And no matter how much you might try to push them down, they just keep popping right back up again. No matter how much somebody else might try to push them down in your life, you got a talent, you got ability, it just keeps popping right back up again. So what are your talents? What are your ability? What can you do? How did God make you? How do we discover the talents and abilities we have and then utilize them to the best? Four steps have to happen. And step number one is this. Take an honest assessment of, of the abilities that God has given to you. Look at what he says in Romans 12, 13. Try to have a sane estimate. I, I love how the Phillips translation comes out. Try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you. What are you good at? What are you talented about? What do you enjoy doing? Where are you needed? Peter Drucker was um, called the father of modern business management, and he was a brilliant guy. He passed away in 2005. But Peter Drucker was, had made a pretty dramatic impact in America and around the world on business management. He was brilliant. And he was asked the question, if you were talking to a young adult and they ask you, how do I make the most of my career? How would you advise them? And here's what he said. I want to read to you what he said. He said, I would say to them, know your strengths. The most important thing is to know what you're good at, but very few people know that. All of us know what we're not good at. But the reason why so few people know what they're good at is because it comes so easy. You sweat over the hard things to do, but knowing what you're good at is the first thing that you need to know to be successful in your life. So what can you do well? What do you enjoy doing? You see, what Peter Drucker was saying is exactly what Jesus is saying. Take a sane estimate of yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What can you do well? See, it didn't take me very long to know it, when I took a sane estimate of myself that I was not gonna be an NBA player. I, it didn't take long. 
or a professional sports player of any kind. It didn't take long for me to get that one figured out. But there are some things I can do. And there are some things you can do. You've got 500 to 700 different talents and abilities. What can you do? What do you enjoy doing? Can I tell you something? It was a great moment in my life and I don't know exactly when it happened, but I do know when it, when it dawned on me. I remember when it dawned on me that I know who I am. I know how silly this sounds, probably sounds to you. I know who I am and I know why I'm here. I know why God put me on the earth and I know what my life is supposed to mean. The first time I really came to the point to say, I know who I am. I know how he wired me. And I became at home in my own skin. It was a powerful thing. It was a liberating thing in my life. It was then I knew who I was and what my life was to me. And this is really what he's saying. Take a sane look at your life. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? How has God wired you? That's the first step. The second step is this, then dedicate your abilities to God. And listen to what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse one, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. How long has it been since you said, God, here are all my talents. Here are all my abilities. I give them to you. Would you do that right now? In this room on the Missouri City campus, on Richmond or Rosenberg campus, would you do that right now? On all of our campuses at your house, would you do that? Would you do that right now? I'm going to ask us to bow our heads, close our eyes, and I'm going to be quiet for just a few seconds. I'm going to ask you, would you take all your abilities and give them, dedicate them to God? Father, we, we want to take a sane look at ourselves, just like the Phillips translation says, of the things that come so easy to us, the things that are so natural to us, the things that have been wired into who we are. And God, right now we hand our talents, our abilities to you for you to be the Lord of. We give ourselves a, a living sacrifice in dedication to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The third thing the Bible actually teaches about this is this idea develop your skills. Once you've come to understand what your talents and abilities are and you've committed those things to God, Keep sharpening your skills. There's two verses that actually are saying the same thing, but they, 
They say it in different words, so listen to them. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 8. Do yourself a favor and learn all you can. Then remember what you've learned and you will prosper. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Now bring those two verses together. They're really saying the exact same thing. It's written by the same man, Solomon. And in both of these, here's what Solomon is saying to us. There's a time in our life in which we just did things so naturally. We were so good at it. We, our, our ax was so sharp. Oh, we could do it easily. It just fell. We felled one tree after another, metaphorically speaking. But life has a way of dulling the ax. It, it has a way of, of not staying sharp. And, and when, it, when our life isn't staying sharp and our skills are not staying sharp, it, it takes more strength to do the very same work we used to do so easy. Now, what we got to do is keep the ax sharpened. We've got to keep our skills strong. We've got to keep learning and growing all of our lives. And that is the point I want to say to you. Never come to a place in your life to say, look, I don't know what other skills I have, what other talents, I don't even care anymore. I've just given up. Please don't do this. Please don't ever come to a place to say, I've learned everything I'm going to learn. I'm not going to learn anymore. I don't care if my ax is sharp or not. Please don't do that. I think the worst tragedy in the world is for a person to die before they die. Meaning they give up, they stop growing, they stop becoming stronger. Please don't die before you die. Please live every minute of your life all the way to heaven. Still finding new things all the way to heaven, still growing in all your skills all the way to heaven. And let God use you in the greatest possible way, all the way to the throne of God himself. Please do that. And here's the last thing. Find a ministry in which you can use what God has given to you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure and use them to help each other. Last March, we went to online only. And everybody's sort of staying in their houses and not, nobody coming to the worship center. And, and people that were serving and giving so much, suddenly no serving at all. Two women in our church in April, May, very involved at Sugar Creek. They decided, you know what? We can't keep doing the ministries that we were doing before, but I can tell you what we can do. We can make masks. We know how to make masks. And at the time, there was a shortage of masks everywhere. They began to make masks, hundreds of them, and then ended up being thousands of them. And they sold every single one of them. They sold the masks that we gave out free to everybody that came in June when we opened up and gave all those free masks out. These two ladies were the ones who had made those masks. And did you know what? They gave every penny to missions to the ministry that we'll all recognize, Hilltop of Hope. And they said, you know, God, we'll use another talent and another ability, but we want to keep serving you. Don't just sit and soak. What is it that God can use you for? I believe that God puts everybody in the church he wants them to be in, and here you are. 
So I've got two questions I wanna ask you. The first one is this, why has God brought you to Sugar Creek? Why did God bring you to this church? It wasn't just about what this church could do for you. It was partly that, but it was also what you could do for others and for God in ministry of this church. Why did God bring you here? And the second question to ask is, how could doing what I know how to do make a difference at Sugar Creek? So here's what I'm asking. Everybody that is in person today on all of our campuses and those who are watching online, I'm asking everybody, would you this week begin to think and ask God, God, how can you use me? How can you use me? Some of you thinking maybe you're still at home. Well, pastor, I can't come to the church right now. I've, I've got a pre-existing condition. I don't, I don't dare come. No, don't come. I don't want you to come. I don't want you to take that risk. And if you're not comfortable, even if you don't have pre-existing condition, health issues, but you're not comfortable, don't come until you're comfortable. But even if we're at home, God could still use you. I'm asking, would you open your heart today? God, how could you use me? I want to be used in service to you. Did you know one thing you could do? You could, maybe you were in the children's ministry, you could call Pastor Jeff or Pastor Abe in student ministry or, or Pastor Ben or, or uh, Pastor Tony in worship ministry. You could call one of those ministries you were part of and say, look, I, I can't be there right now, but I still want to serve. Can I make phone calls for you? Or what about if you gave me a name of 10 kids? I was in the children's ministry. Just the first name of 10 children that I will Pledge to God, every day I will pray for these kids to come to know Jesus as Savior, to, to begin to grow in their spiritual life and during this time. I will pray by name for these 10 kids every day. Or 10 adults, or 10 teenagers. For th these individuals to come to know Christ as Savior, for God to bring revival in their heart. I want you to think of this possibility. What if hundreds of us what if hundreds of us took 10 names, 10 people in this church, and we began to pray for them by name? Pastor Ben, would you give me 10 first names of 10 adults, and I'll pray for them every single day? And if hundreds of us, even thousands of us, began to pray for 10 people every single day, and here's how we pray, oh God, bring revival to this person's life and this person's life, all the way down. And what if thousands of us were praying for the, the outbreak of the revival of God upon Sugar Creek Baptist Church and individuals by name, 10,000 individuals? I'm going to tell you the power of God would fall upon this church. And the renewal, oh God, revive us again. The renewal would blow our mind what God would do. And it will begin with prayer. I'm asking you, would you open your heart? God, could you use me again? I want to begin to serve again. Would you open your heart to this? And here's what I want to say to you. Serving again is a step forward toward normal. You want to get back to normal? God, I'm yours. Whatever God lays on your heart to do,
do it with all your heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, for what church is. We need each other, and, and we need to serve again. Oh, God, I praise you would raise up hundreds in this church and thousands in this church that will begin to pray for five names, ten names. Oh, God, bring revival to this member and this member, this member and this member. And, oh, God, pour down the power of your spirit upon Sugar Creek Baptist Church. Oh, God, may we pray revival upon this church and upon our hearts as well. Move in our hearts. Use us afresh. Oh, God, I pray that you would raise up an army of men and women, of children and teenagers, of prayer to you. Use us again for service to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.